Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Union of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's May Day. Happy May Day, everybody. And a big topic of conversation on May Day is Joe Biden. And uh, it's been a topic of conversation on my show all day. It will be a topic of conversation in this bonus interview that I'm doing with one of my favorite people, one of my favorite political activists in the city of Chicago. As I always do on bonus time, I ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Uh, hi, Ben. Uh, great to be back. It's uh, Samina Mustafa. I am the host of my own show, Hand for the Mic. And uh, glad to be back, former congressional candidate, and um, am a critic of the Democratic establishment. That's correct. How about that? Okay, let's just, that's a nice, mild way of putting it. Uh, for If people are hearing Samina on the show for the first time, uh, let me just do this way as a way of introduction. Uh, people who've heard her many times know this story by heart. But when I, uh, back in the old days when I had a radio show, uh, Samina was a guest of mine because she was running for Congress as a candidate in the 5th Congressional District. She was running against incumbent uh, Michael Quigley, and I thought her campaign was perhaps the best campaign of 2018. It was just very issues-oriented. Uh, it was Democratic politics with from the left trying to appeal to voters who probably should have been more open-minded about the appeal she was making. Uh, and ever since those days, she came out as a candidate. She's coming on uh, on a regular basis, sort of as a, a pundit or thinker. I don't know what you are, political strategist, uh, whatever, and uh, trying to push my beloved Democratic Party uh, more to the left. And it's always a, a struggle, Samina. And uh, so we started off this interview. Dennis loves that little clip he plays of Joe Biden. I don't know if you heard it at the top, where Joe Biden is. It was from the debate last summer, uh, where. Right. I can't remember what Joe was trying to say, uh, what, what what question he was responding to, but we've had a lot of fun with that uh, bit ever since. He is now the candidate that the Democratic Party has decided, the voters have decided, is the best person to lead them into the race against Donald Trump. Not feeling really optimistic about that right now, Samina. What about you? Yeah, I think uh, to, to go along the lines of that, I think this is a bit of a record scratch moment uh, for the Biden campaign. Uh, so, um, as you've been talking about on your show today, and as your listeners, um, as as educated and plugged in as they are, have probably already seen um, that Joe Biden has finally been asked directly about the allegations against him uh, made by a former staffer. Um, but this is just, you know, a, 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 a long history of people talking about his inappropriate touching. And, and I feel like um, there isn't enough, and even in the, the interview that uh, Mika Brzezinski did this morning, uh, there were a, a couple of key points that I, I wish she had covered um, and that she missed. Um, so we're, I'm happy to dive in. Well, let's, uh, let's dive in on uh, that. Uh, so uh, let's talk about what you've liked to, covered and missed. Let's start with the cover. 
What would you have liked to yeah, see in your so, cover? Yeah, so I will, I will say that I think I appreciate that she was persistent and that she didn't back down even when Biden seemed kind of like weary of it and had his kind of typical, I'm just going to laugh nervously and act like uh, you're the crazy one <laughs> um, and then keep going and say the same thing. Um, there were a couple of things that she asked and, and either dropped or failed to ask. So one of the things she asked early on in the interview was, did, did Joe Biden remember Tara Reid? And she asked the question, but she didn't follow up. Uh, so we don't actually know if Joe recalls who she was or that she was on those staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's somewhat material because, again, it's sort of like, you know, kind of sets it up as like a she's so insignificant you know and it's obviously a power play like she's so insignificant it doesn't matter like she's i've had this longest illustrious career and who the hell is she um the other thing i think uh that mika could have asked about and i and i referenced it just now which is when uh joe biden uh, was discussed as a potential presidential candidate and then in, in fact came out and, and decided to file and run for, for president. Uh, there were a number of folks who came forward with their allegations about his behavior. And probably the most famous of them was Lucy Flores, who herself um, was in office and, and ran uh, for office and was running for office when she alleged that Biden, you know, sniffed her hair and, and touched her inappropriately. And she got just uh, excoriated. I mean, just attacked viciously. And so, and there were other folks who came forward and said, had similar accounts. And so Mika didn't ask about any of those. So, I mean, and I think that's material because it shows that there's a pattern that other people have come forward and those statements have been made publicly. Go ahead. No, keep going. Um, the other thing that I think should have been brought up, she brought up Kavanaugh and uh, uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, which I know is probably the most, you know, current, recent, sort of famous instance of, a, um, of a, an accuser coming forward. But I feel like Mika and some other folks are, I think people are, are bringing it up outside of the interview with Mika Brzezinski, but she didn't address the fact that, you know, Trump has had obviously many accusations himself. A lot of people who have come forward and are well known in their own right. Um, and I'm a little surprised, uh, that, you know, they, the MSNBC staffers couldn't find some statements Joe Biden had made about, you know, Trump's accusers or about those instances and sort of said, you said this about this, you know, like, I, I have to imagine there's something. I didn't, you know, do a deep dive myself, but I'm thinking like, there's people making literally millions of dollars at MSNBC, they could do, you know, a five minute Google search. So there's that. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is, you know, the the entire conversation about uh, harassment, um, sexual assault, took a very different turn in many ways because of Joe Biden and the Anita Hill um, testimony mm-hmm. uh, regarding Clarence Thomas. And so again, <laughs> his handling of that, his sort of not apologizing, I mean, like all of these these things. Go, go to his state of mind, his temperament, what he believes about this, um, and his record, mm-hmm. right? He is running to be the president of the United States. Um, and the last thing I'll say is, um, and it just came out in the last 24 to 48 hours, he has put uh, Chris Dodd, Christopher Dodd, on his team, vice presidential um, search team. Mm-hmm. And, and Dodd has his own you know, history of, you know, uh, me too history as it were. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like there was a lot of missed opportunities in that interview. Um, and by, by address, like by bringing them up and like kind of listing them, uh, down the line like that, I feel like these are all questions 
that Joe Biden should be asked um, or they, they should be written about by reporters and or by other interviewers, people who are going to um, perhaps be a little bit more exhaustive in their um, sort of pursuit or the inquiry. Because I feel like Joe Biden's responses, like there were a couple things I wrote down. He said it didn't happen. Like I didn't count how many times I'm sure somebody did. He said it didn't happen. He used phrases like to the best of my knowledge and not that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. So often yeah. that I wrote them down. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, you know, I didn't walk away from that interview feeling like I'm confident in what Joe Biden is saying. But I also feel like he wasn't pushed hard enough in that interview. All right. Uh, let's take apart some of the things you said. Uh, Mika Brzezinski does not need me to defend her. I think she did a better job than you thought she did, given the restraint uh, she was No, no, no. I think she... No, Uh, no, no. And I... That's what I... That's why I started with, like, I think I appreciate that she was persistent and that she, at times, actually seemed almost, like, kind of um, incredulous a little bit. Um, And... And... Seemed to lose patience with Joe Biden. Yeah. Here, which I didn't expect her to do. Uh, so here's something. There's so much that's on my mind when I think about this, uh, Samita. First of all, again, and I know I'm speaking as a person who voted for Bernie Sanders. I just, it, it just sometimes I'm just dismayed that our electoral process ended up with Joe Biden as our nominee. And I just want to point out that you and I have been having conversations about the primary process since last summer. You've been a regular coming on the show after every debate, dutifully watching the debates as I have. And just to think at this moment that this process arrived with this candidate. I just always have to say that, Samina, because it's so troubling to me that the Democratic Party thought that this was the best candidate they could put forward to go up against Trump. And I know why they think they did it, I have, or I have a strong sense of why they did it. It has to deal with what they consider electable uh, within the confines of politics today. But I find that disturbing. That said, I don't think the overwhelming majority of Democrats do not care about this matter. They don't care if they look hypocritical in regards to how they responded to the allegations against Kavanaugh as opposed to how they're responding to the allegations uh, against Biden. They just want to defeat Donald Trump, and it won't matter how much uh, dirt is dug up about Joe Biden unless they come up with something resembling uh, a harassment uh, statement right. that, that she gave right. in 1993, which completely contradicts everything he said. And then he's really going to be in a predicament. But do you share my sense of where the Democratic electric is right now? Yeah, there is a. So there's the electorate. And then there's the leadership of the party. And then there's the reporters and, you know, sort of punditry and they all sort of work together right um i I think it's understandable that the democratic electorate is sort of like we have to get rid of trump and like that that is their focus that makes total sense to me we do need to get rid of trump um but let's be clear that the democratic leadership has been pretty Mm self-serving in who they've defined as electable and who they think can be Trump. And so I don't necessarily, I will take a step back and say, I'm not really convinced that uh, it's going to be all that easy to be Trump, even with all of his faults and his failings and his miserable performance on this coronavirus uh, crisis. Mm-hmm. That being said, I, I, you know, the Democratic Party is not, um, has not done a good job of, you know, building a pipeline of leadership or 
or actually following through on the values they claim in their classroom. So there's a lot of, you know, sort of um, inconsistencies and hypocrisies that have like over the years. So, but, but I understand there's just like, don't try, don't do anything that seems to be, uh, would seem to give Trump an advantage. But yet that criticism doesn't, like doesn't seem to either be self-reflective like the democratic party leadership never thinks like oh maybe we did something wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> in in pushing for joe biden let's be clear like you and i pay attention to enough politics that we know it it was not you know some you know separate miracle that happened that over the course of three days the entire you know, almost the entire centrist field dropped out of the race and then endorsed Joe Biden. Like, there were phone calls that were made, yeah. you know? Um, Obama stepped in well before um, he endorsed Joe Biden. There was a, a feeling that we didn't want someone who's too progressive um, and that we didn't, frankly, didn't seem to want a, a woman to be in this, the lead uh, position again. I mean, so there's all kinds of things that we could look at in terms of analyzing how we got to Joe Biden. Um, and even the fact that he won in a couple of states and, you know, got Jim Clyburn endorsing him, I, all of these things, there's, we could, you know, spend a lot of time analyzing, but it all boils down to something, which is the Democratic Party is not, um, you know, is not a party that's listening to its most reliable voters. And it's not listening to its most, um, you know, active and enthusiastic and growing base, which is progressives and people of color. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are responding to people getting upset about Biden or feeling like he should drop out saying, well, you're disenfranchising all these voters in all these states who, you know, risk their lives. And I'm like, it just drives me a little crazy. It's like, you know what? If given the choice, people in Illinois and Wisconsin would have very happily mailed in their ballots. Mm -hmm. And they also understood there were other things on the ballot, especially in Wisconsin when they had a a Supreme Court um, election Mm -hmm. pending. So I just, there's so much uh, cynicism, as you, it's a term that you use a lot when it comes to Democratic Party shenanigans, uh, that I just, you know, I, I, it is unfortunate because I think there are people, one, that are truly vulnerable and are suffering because of either Democratic policies or Democratic inaction. And so, um, you know, Joe Biden is just, again, falls into a pattern of, you know, either uh, inertia, bad judgment, um, or trying to cover up their complicit, you know, being complicit with the GOP and corporations and all these entities that are hurting their base the most. Um, And I can't, like, I look at this crisis, and and I did listen to the portion of the interview where um, Joe Scarborough asked Biden about, you know, how would you respond to this crisis? And he did okay. He did okay. Um, But towards the end, it was like uh, he was starting to do what we saw him do in the debates, which is sort of cutting himself off and not seeming confident, even about that. And so um, Joe Biden does not inspire a lot of people and people wonder like, oh, does it really matter? Do we, you know, who cares if people aren't enthusiastic? Those are people who probably have never made a phone call to a voter in their lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's, that's what it's going to take. It, Joe Biden can win a Democratic nomination, it seems, without having a real operation. But that won't be the case come November. And if if you have people who are care about, you know, victims, survivors of sexual assault, 
who are committed to progressive and feminist values and they aren't, uh, they are sort of biting their, <laughs> you know, they're like, they're, they're, they're voting for Biden because Trump is worse and not genuinely committed to him. That's going to affect how much money people give, how many doors are going to knock, when we it's safe to do that, or just the stuff that needs to happen. And we're coming up against an incumbent. Like, I just can't understand. Like, I am. And there's other things I've written down, you know, to prep for this that I'm just like, that the Biden camp is doing that I, I don't understand. That are making this crisis worse. So there's that. All right. Uh, you talked about uh, feminist values before we did the uh uh, before we started the interview, you briefly mentioned something to me about the silence from feminist organizations in response to Tara Reid. Uh, elaborate on that a bit. Yeah, so, you know, there have been, uh, you know, people asking, you know, sort of the big players, whether it's, you know, Emily's List or Planned Parenthood or um, any of these, you know, well-known, you know, national organization women, like, all these groups that are kind of thought of as um, that came out in the case of, you know, Dr. Ford and we aren't hearing from them right now. And, or they're, uh, they're essentially saying, you know, they're coming after uh, Tara Reid. So that is like not, that's it's if i use the term disappointed it would imply that i expected <laughs> more from them yeah but, but i don't and i and i can say that from experience because these are the same groups that uh i know full well in the electoral space operate in a very anti-feminist uh way and consistently but again, for the for the for the non for the person who's outside of the club, who is not a campaign or runs office, who still maybe thinks like, oh, I, I give my checks or I give a few bucks every month to this feminist organization, I feel like they're going to elect the right kind, you know, right uh, women, the women who uh, would stand with me and my values and would fight for um, survivors of sexual assault, um, you know, like the Times Up and the Me Too, like those. Folks are failing. Now, Tawana Burke did make a statement. She's the, the creator of Me Too, and she did make a statement that made it clear that, you know, this is not an endorsement. We do need to look into it. Um, but again, it's like in general, you have even liberal punditry coming out after uh, Tara Reid. And again, it, you can, say go on and on about how Trump is a hypocrite and he's a liar and all those things are true um, but it it is um, as you said yourself like we didn't have to end up with Joe and yet here we are yeah um, and one thing that I noted and, and I, I did do a quick search on this one of his senior advisors um, is a PR person who uh, Harvey Weinstein consulted uh, before the New York Times expose. Mm -hmm. So Anita Dunn. And I'm just thinking like, why is she on your team? <laughs> why was she added to your team? Like talk about a bad job of vetting. And um, yeah, I just, I, I am really, I'm not impressed with how the Biden team is handling this. Right. I think they're doing a bad job. All right, let's uh, put aside the uh, Donald Trump's behavior in regards to women for a moment. And I want to uh, raise a theory that I've been working with. I may have done it briefly before the show with you. Get your reaction. I'm thinking a lot about this uh, when I think about the outcry against Brett Kavanaugh uh, in contrast to what's happening with Joe Biden. I believe that many of the uh, women, and men too, just the people who came out with great indignation 
against Brett Kavanaugh were proclaiming a principle that they were standing up mm-hmm. for a principle when in fact it was a tactic. And I'm, I've got a lot of problems with that in, in a general way, Samina, when I see, whenever I see it, I see it on the right a lot. Uh, but I, do you know what I'm, do, do, you, do you know what I mean? Like they'll say, we are believe in the principle of believing in the woman, believe the woman. That's yeah. a principle. Well, I don't even know if I personally subscribe to something like believe the woman. Like a woman can lie. So why should I just automatically believe the woman? I think the notion that you should make it as, I don't know what the right word is here, uh, like easy as it possibly can for a woman to tell her story of how she was assaulted. Do you follow what I'm saying? That you should... Make sure that people investigating it are doing it with care and decency uh, and take her allegations seriously. But the notion that you should just automatically, from the get-go, believe the woman is is a principle that you're uh, advocating. So that when it turns around and an accusation is made against a candidate you support, your response is a little like Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners, habita, habita, habita. You get what I'm saying? If you believe the woman, then you have to believe... Tara Reid. And if you don't automatically believe the woman, you shouldn't have said believe the woman in regards to Dr. Ford and Brett Kavanaugh. Do you follow what I'm saying? So like when you utter a principle, when it's really just a tactic and a political fight, you undercut the principle itself. Yeah, and it's, it's really, I mean, I hate to bring them into it. And here's the thing. I feel like, in a case like this, um, women or people who are survivors, I should say, are always on the defensive, right? They're always assumed to have some ulterior motive or that they're going to benefit somehow. And that's like, I, you know, someone's going to find that one case, but it's like in general, the people who come forward, are attacked, discredited. Um, yeah, just if their lives turned upside down. And so going back to the concept of I believe survivors, I believe women, it is, in this case, appears to be uh, only works one way. It only works when it's people on your side for the people who are defending Biden. Because now there's literally a hashtag on social media saying, hashtag, I believe Biden, which is insane to me. Um, <laughs> You're kidding. That's me and people since stay off Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Oh you and I, you and I are in agreement about that. Wow. But like, but, but that really, you know, um, is, yeah, it, it, it is hypocritical. Now someone's going to be like, oh, well, the Republicans are hypocritical. They do this all the time. Yes. It is clear, and they use fake outrage, and they manufacture outrage, um, and they do it consistently. Um, but here's the thing: I think, I, I think it is also challenging because, and it's understandable. Um, you know, people have an idea of what a survivor sounds like, looks like, that has no connection to reality, and. Um, I mean, look at someone like Dr. Ford or, um, you know, Dr. Anita Hill. Like, these are women who are highly educated, incredibly, you know, poised, well-spoken, all of the sort of things that are, would make them sort of quote-unquote perfect survivors. Um, but they were attacked and, uh, and felt like their lives, yeah, their lives were completely turned upside down. And then you see someone like Tara Reid, who um, people are attacking because they found a post where she had something good to say about Putin, or she was a Bernie supporter, or I, I like they're they're impugning something about her character based on her the fact that she is um, you know she's not as you know maybe as accomplished or whatever as Dr. Ford or Dr. Hill. So it's sort of like all of these 
things that Democrats allegedly stand for, they're coming after her for. So, um, yeah, the hypocrisy is pretty, pretty clear um, on the Democrat side. And it goes along with what I was just saying in terms of the feminist groups. It's like, if the Democrats are the, are the party that, you know, believes in a woman's or a person's right to choose, in uh, that we should, you know, be free from gender-based violence, um, that, you know, uh, you know, women's rights are human, human rights. I mean, like all of these things we claim to stand for as a party. And, you know, and again, when it's not politically expedient to do so, we're not going to look into it. And I have to say, I'm pretty disappointed with, you know, Kirsten Gillibrand in particular, um, because her, her entire presidential campaign was really derailed because people were upset with how she handled Al Franken. And, um, and now she's sort of like, okay, I believe Biden. And I'm, I'm like, really? <laughs> you, you think people are going to like, somehow like you're going to be, you know, in 2024, you're going to be able to take another uh, run at this and people are going to forget. Um, the fact is people just will, it doesn't matter if you are the accuser uh, or someone who stands with an accuser, uh, or just someone who's just in the somewhere in the vicinity of, an accuse, of the accused, somehow it always the people who suffer the most are the are uh, are the women. Yeah. Uh, so whether it's Gillibrand or it's Dr. Ford or you know anyone who's supporting, it. so it's like it's and it is also I think um, made uh, it's been aggravated by the split in the Democratic Party between the progressives and the centrists, right? Because if she's seen as a as a Bernie supporter, it must be because she's trying to attack, mm-hmm. you know, Bernie's rival or something. There's just there's so little um, there's there's just an assumption that um, you're if you're not with us 100, percent you're against us. Yeah. Um, well, I, it, I, it is dysfunctional. I could tell you, Samina, right now, I know Democrats and political expediency. Uh, that's the, that's the <laughs> term you used. And they don't care about Tara Reid's accusation. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, in the, the general sense, they're far more progressive than Republicans when it comes to the issues of sexual assault. I think anybody would claim that. I think that um, when you take a view of the difference between Democrats and Republicans on the issue of promoting a candidate who has a background of sexual assault, Democrats are marginally better than Republicans. The, the, The greatest figure in the Republican Party right now, the king of the Republican Party, is a man who has, what, 16? I forget. I've lost track of how many account... How many accusations of sexual assault, including a, 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 an accusation of rape? Right. That would be Donald Trump. So, yep. the, I, but Democrats right now they want to beat Trump. That's all that matters. They thought Joe Biden was the most electable, so they're going with Joe Biden, and it, it's just everything you're saying is absolutely true. It's inconsistent. It's hypocritical. They. Don't care. And I get Tara Reid's going to be on um, Fox TV tomorrow or Sunday. So uh, this will be the day after people can hear this show for the first time. Anyway, she's going to be on Fox TV being interviewed, I think, by Chris Wallace. That'll outrage Democrats even more. Yeah, exactly. Because she's going to the enemy. She's going to the enemy. (laughs) Exactly. So. Uh, that's where that's where we are on this issue. But uh, I, I, in general, when I view, I think of the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and how it came down to the issue of the the allegations of sexual assault. Uh, it there was so much to against Brett Kavanaugh to you to so much ar- convincing arguments to use against Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, it just it just shows you the shameful situation we are in politics in general. Uh, that it, it it was pivoting on an accusation from 1983. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like Brett yeah. Kavanaugh is a political operative for the Republican right. How in the world does he warrant a position on the highest court in the land? That that's exact, and that's actually the, uh, to me the, the that's where there are some similarities with Biden and Kavanaugh 
you have people who are incredibly problematic for so many reasons. Even before you get to the the accusations of this nature. I mean, Kavanaugh, I don't have to tell you, he's basically, I think, uh, I wrote an op-ed right around the time of that, and I was just like, he he was basically like he was 3D printed on a Koch Brothers press. That's Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. Like, he is such a, a partisan Republican. Like, he is not, nobody has any question about that. With Biden, we have decades of bad decisions and bad policies and bad politics, yeah. like decades. Like not just like one bad call or one bad vote, like decades of bad calls, bad votes and bad statements. Like, and still to this day is doubling down on opposing Medicare for all in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. how clueless, I mean, it just, I, uh, this, that, those are the kinds of things I'm like, you know, just looking at who Joe Biden is, he is not the right candidate for this moment. Tara Reid not what's standing. And I'm not really that, I mean, even the people he's assembled with, Anita Dunn or Jen O'Malley Dillon, I mean, like, who's his campaign manager, like, these are not, people who inspire a lot of content. Larry Summers. Mm. I mean, last night, I think it was it last night or two nights ago, he was in a, a fundraiser, a virtual fundraiser with Mayor Pete saying he's a transition candidate. He, he's uh, paving the way for the Mayor Pete. Oh, you mean Mayor Pete, Mr. Almost Negative Black Support Mayor Pete? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, couldn't have polled lower with black voters, Mayor Pete. <laughs> and you, you literally got, you stayed in this race because of black voters. You, you're going to set the stage for Mayor Pete? Yeah. You know, and not Stacey Abrams or like, I mean, come on. Like, this is just, but that's who Biden is. And like you said, sort of the, the Democratic leadership is just going to be like, He's our guy. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same, it's the same attitude that, unfortunately, it's the same attitude we saw in 2016. And we've seen in other races, obviously. But, um, but in this particular case, I feel like it's, it's an arrogance, um, that will, uh, that will hurt a lot of people. All right. Now let's try to end this uh, interview on more of an optimistic note. <laughs> uh, so, uh, who would you like to see? Let's let's assume. Oh God. <laughs> let's assume for the mo- the moment uh, that some someone does not produce the sexual assault complaint mm-hmm. that Terry claims she filed in 1993. If someone produces uh-huh. that. It's over for Joe Biden. And I don't know if, Samina, I haven't, you haven't been on the show in a while because of the pandemic, but for a while I was going through this fantasy, <laughs> laughing at the thought of, that like the leaders of the Democratic Party would come to Joe Biden privately and say, please leave the ticket and replace him with anyone. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I really did believe that just about anyone was better than Joe Biden uh, in the, in this pandemic. All right. So, but obviously, that's a fantasy on my part. It's not going to happen. And I right. was willing to embrace some uh, right of center Democrats like Andrew Cuomo over Joe Biden. Uh, I was willing to just get him off the ticket. But okay, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, right. So, uh, unless, of course, they produce that. That's what uh, uh, Mika kept hammering at, you know, about that. Yeah. We're, we're and, co- I, and I appreciate, yeah. yeah, I appreciate that you did that. Where is it? Where is, is it possible that that complaint could be in your uh, uh, where was it at your, in your papers at the University of Delaware? If so, open up your papers. Let everybody look uh, like it's so easy, by the way, to find. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know how many thousands yeah. of pages. Uh, so I'm just imagining an intern <laughs> having to catalog that and yeah. literally just like, you know, you know, putting everything and like mislabeling stuff. I mean, like I imagine that those papers are a mess. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, but 
the fact that they're sealed is, yeah, a little, you know, questionable. And there's a bunch of historians chiming in and saying that there are actually a lot of other public figures who had similar stipulations. Like I think somebody, uh, Kevin Cruz, who's a pretty well-known historian at Princeton, uh, stated that something like he was looking at an archive and can't use a letter that he found um, in, that was written in the 70s because the recipient of the letter is still alive. Yeah. Or, like, there's rules like that. No, so, there are I, rules. It, yeah, there absolutely are rules. But in this case, rules. Yeah, but in this case, it's like, okay, it, it's sort of like, okay, how are you then going to go, Joe Biden, and say, Trump, release your tax records, release, what? you know, your financial statements, release this. I mean, like. Uh, wait, hold, like, it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Now, here's where I'm going to push back on that. Of course you are. <laughs> I, I am totally going to push back on that because. Donald Trump's tax statements, it's convention among politicians running for higher office, they release their taxes. And Donald Trump has given two middle fingers high in the air to that convention, and he won't release them even though everybody else has released them. And furthermore, he's in court right now raising some of the most ludicrous arguments as to why he doesn't have to release those taxes. Arguments, I should point out, which are relying on his... Uh, protection as president. He's above prosecution. So I would urge my liberty proclaiming uh, demonstrators who are right now at Thompson Center in downtown Chicago denouncing Pritzker for overstepping his bounds. I would urge them to join the crusade to get Donald Trump to back off from his argument that as the emperor of the United States, he's above subpoenas okay so i'm just i had to say that there i do believe there's a a distinction between joe biden uh agreeing to what whatever the protocol is regarding uh, historical documents and something like an income joe biden has released income tax statements well okay but these are records let's let's be clear these are records from his his office as a public servant not his personal papers so they should you know, like it. It so that I feel like you know when you are a private citizen and you file taxes like you know twenty five years ago, whatever it is, whatever the number is, like now we have this rule that, like you said, it's become uh, expected that you release a certain number of years if you're running for president. It, it and that makes total sense because we want to understand you will have. You know, especially like now we're seeing in the case of, of Donald Trump, he's obviously double dealing and self dealing, all this stuff. But what I'm saying is, in the case of Joe Biden, these are these are records when he was a public servant, he was an elected official, so they should be public. So it's, I mean, again, it's just again we can't keep making uh, rules that serve our uh, preferred candidate and not think that it's going to be used against us. Now, here's the thing. The GOP has no integrity. They're going to do anything, and they're going to make stuff up. Yeah, We've already seen that, yeah. right? So we already know that. Um, but it's, I think at this point, it, it really affects our electorate, the Democratic electorate, the Democratic base, to feel like, oh, yes, this is the, uh, he's not only the right candidate, He's a good candidate, and we're excited to work for him to be elected. So, I mean, so that's I think a distinction. These yeah. aren't these aren't private documents, you know, letters that Biden wrote, you know, to um, his girlfriend in college. These are when he was an elected <laughs> official. Okay, let's just be clear about who, that. By the so, way, who knows what treasure trove? This is what I was saying earlier uh, in the show. I can't remember who I was talking to. Uh, once the researchers dig in, you never know what you're going to find. Most likely you're going to find yeah. a lot of stuff that's not that interesting. But every now and then a researcher stumbling through boxes and boxes of documents. But uh, we'll find something interesting. I just thought it was funny when she was hammering him, open it up, open it up. And I was thinking, obviously she's never taken a look at like the even a mayoral 
a collection of mayoral records because most of it, right. you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, yeah, it's all filed. We just, you know, uh, put a search in. It's all on a computer for Tara Reid. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's it was kind of funny when she asked that question, as I imagine that it hasn't been digitized. It hasn't even probably been cataloged. Yeah. It's probably just in boxes. It's literally <laughs> probably in boxes. Somebody has to physically go through whatever, how many hundreds of boxes. So, it's, yeah, it's not a trivial um, a trivial matter, and it will take time. But so, And I doubt I it's... Think a, you're gonna, yeah. Uh, all right, so I this the question I was reaching. We were going to end on a, a optimistic note. So which... Okay vice presidential candidate uh can he select that'll get you to say i'm excited about this ticket i'm gonna go knock on doors in michigan um so he's already made some statements about who his pick will likely be it will not be someone who uh really you know is in opposition to his view of things um and he has also, uh, a couple of people have sort of thought that he seemed to commit to, um, he had committed to picking a woman, but he even said, like, I'm not focusing on a woman of color. Um, although he has thrown out that he will choose a black woman to be his Supreme, to be a Supreme Court nominee. So I am convinced uh, that he will pick either Amy Klobuchar or uh, Gretchen Whitmer. Um, neither of whom will get me excited uh, about the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's becoming clearer to me that um, Stacey Abrams is probably not in the running anymore. I would really be shocked if she was selected at this point. I think she's, um, I think she's, it's interesting. I think she's been one of the few that's been very public about her pursuit of that office. Um, not that other people aren't pursuing it. I think she's just been very public about it. Um, but I don't think she will be um, uh, he, he's chosen. Wow. That being said, yeah. that that being said, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, Kamala Harris's presidential campaign for a couple of different reasons. Mostly because I think she um, like there were some issues with how she ran her campaign. But I think that would be um, a good move for him politically for biden politically because it would uh one um you know speak to the most reliable voter base in the democratic party now not every single black woman is a fan of kamala harris not every single black person is a fan of kamala harris but i think um she's built up her name recognition in a you know and she's been out front on this uh coronavirus crisis and other issues in a positive way mm -hmm. Well, are there other other women who yeah. could do that that have the same name recognition? I don't know. I'm very concerned that he was that he is going to pick the female Tim King, and yes. that would be Amy. Yes. And that would be Amy Klobuchar. All right, I I said I wanted to end this on a <laughs> positive. And note. I can't <laughs> do it. Then, then we need to talk. If you want to end it on a positive note, we need to not talk about Joe Biden. Okay, but I, I got to tell you this: when you said Amy Klobuchar's name, I smile because last night I was having a conversation with a uh, a millennial, a millennial <laughs> uh, who is a huge fan of Bernie Sanders, loves Bernie okay. Sanders. Uh, it's a woman. She's voted for Bernie Sanders twice. And we were talking politics. What else do I talk about, Samina? It's either politics or the bulls, one or the other. And uh, I said to her that I'm starting to think that Joe Biden is going to take Amy Klobuchar. And this millennial literally started crying. <laughs> no, no. And I'm like, you know, oh, no. it's like, it's, it, 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 it just underscores everything I've said from the get-go. He's not going to win by, he's not going to go, he's not, He's not going to get the Ber the Bernie supporters. No, he doesn't understand Bernie supporters. He doesn't like no. Bernie supporters. And when I speak, he oh. I'm just speaking in gen generic terms about centrist Democrats. You get what I'm saying? They resent them. So right, that's why Kamala Harris. And you were you were in the studio with me many times when I was drinking the Kamala Kool Aid. You guys used to make fun of me. Remember when I was drinking the Kamala Kool Aid last summer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm. Aware. I'm aware of how, and I, and that's why I said I'm not a big. Uh, I think she is was not a great. She did not run a great presidential campaign. That is for she sure. Made some mistakes. 
Uh, that that said, I think Kamala or uh, Stacey Abrams, he, if he wants to win, he, he has to put a black woman on the ticket. Don't give me this uh, pie in the sky talk about definitely going to have a black woman in the Supreme Court. You know, A, don't yeah. even know that you're going to win. And B, you don't know that you're going to get a pick. And uh, I just feel he's written off the, the hardcore Bernie voters. He He's not going to get them. He has to... Uh, uh, generate more enthusiasm among black voters. He has to. And so yeah. that's why I think Stacey or Kamala. Uh, so anyway, I think you and I sort of see eye to eye in that. And uh, we'll let I it... think he, I think we're in agreement that he needs to remember who kept him in this race and who put him over the top. Yes. Absolutely. That's correct. That is correct. Even Robert Mueller agrees with us. All right, Samita, one more time. Tell folks uh, about your podcast where they could catch uh, more political talk with the great Samita Mustafa. Well, thanks, Ben. And uh, and always great to be back with you and Dennis. Um, so the show is Hand the Mic. I'm, uh, you can find episodes of the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and YouTube. Um, my most recent conversation was with the uh, founder of an organization called New American Leaders that trains and mentors immigrants that want to run for public office. So, All right, cool. Hand check her, it out. Hand her the mic. And uh, let's hope yeah. that the next time we have a conversation, we're back in the studio, just like the old days, uh, and that we have a little, I don't know, uh, that we're a little further down the road uh, toward being uh, escaping this pandemic. So, uh, Yeah, well, I'll be, I'll be wearing my mask. We'll be, we'll be, <laughs> we'll, we'll be masked up. <laughs> we'll be masked up, but at least we'll be in the... You're right. Dennis and I were just talking about that. That first step, we'll probably all be wearing masks. And then after yeah. each guest, we'll be scrubbing down the plays, you know? Yeah, um, you got to do it. Do it. Very all good. All right, well, stay safe. Take care. That's the great Samina Mustafa. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everyone.